This is Navigating Now, the podcast to help find answers to the big questions we have about life. Welcome back. We're officially halfway through the series and I hope you've been taking something away from these episodes because I know I have. On our last episode, we discussed mental health and we left you with an audio diary entry from Carolina who took on some advice from the episode and is trying it out in her everyday life. The advice was to treat her mental health just like how she would her physical health. So let's check in again with Carolina this week and see whether this piece of advice has worked out for her. So the advice I've been trying to incorporate into my life is taking mental health on this, putting it on the same level as my physical health. So what I've done previously, I've met up with some friends and went on a walk. But since coming from holidays, I've signed up for 20-minute sessions with therapeutic dogs where we just, a group of people saw the dogs and had a chance to pet the dogs and talk to the owners, which... That was one thing, I guess, that improved my mental health. So um, what I've been trying to do is every week I look into what am I doing this week to balance my mental health with my life. So that's what I've been doing and it's been working. It's great to hear how this one bit of advice seems to have blossomed into different physical activities that have helped Carolina. Planning what she's doing every week to support her mental well-being sounds so smart. Also, don't the therapy dogs sound cool? I've loved listening to the audio diaries from some of our hosts across this series so far. As we're now at the halfway point of this journey, now's a good time to check in with some of the hosts from the first half of the series. Rob, Craig and Lucy, what do you now think about your chosen bits of advice and do you plan on taking the advice forward with you into the future? Hiya, my name's Rob. So the challenge I set myself for the social media episode was to try and put my phone away by nine o'clock each night and have some time away from my phone and decompress to step away from it all, sit and read and to try and just try not to rely too much on social media. I found testing out this advice actually really interesting. It really makes you think when you're consciously trying not to use your phone, how much you do use it and how much you do use social media. I think I'll definitely continue to carry out this advice in the future. It's so much healthier to sort of switch your brain off. And I found that um, I'm actually sleeping better as well. Like my dreams are are better. They're less chaotic. I find them when I've just been staring at a screen and staring at uh, goodness knows what on on a social media reel or or whatever else. So it really does have kind of health benefits, I would say. Um, And that's something I really want to take forward. Hi, I'm Craig, I'm 21, and I was on the roundtable discussing community action. The piece of advice that I was trying to follow after that discussion was really those little acts of kindness, contributing to the world in whichever ways is possible. I do some tutoring um, on the side as well, and I really think that that intrinsic feeling that you get from helping somebody out with that is then infectious, and you then really want to improve that and keep getting more and more of that as you go. So I think that I've used that as a starting point to then be able to go out of my comfort zone, things that I wouldn't necessarily do, but um, it gave me the courage to go out and, and try those things. 
I'm Lucy. I was on the round table discussing the theme of mental health and the piece of advice I took away from it came from Katrina and Johnny Wilkinson and it was about allowing the future to remain unknown. Now that's not something I was really excited about because giving up control and trying to relax is not something I'm very good at. Um, I found testing out the advice was a challenge. It was a bigger challenge than I expected. It's been a difficult time for trying it because in university, you know, there's always deadlines and conferences and papers to write. But I've been trying to allow at least my mornings to be technology free. So I get up, I'll write myself a to-do list and then I let the next like hour or half an hour, however much time I have, just be whatever I need to do in that time and not worry too much about what has to go on for the rest of the day. So it's a little step, but we're getting there. Thank you for sharing your progress, Rob, Craig and Lizzie. We'll catch up with more of our podcast hosts from the series in the final episode. And now we're all caught up. Let's get into the next big theme. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to do what you love. Think about when you last found time to do something you love and how it made you feel. Good, right? But finding a way to do the things we love is not always easy. Whether that's keeping up with hobbies outside of school, university or work, or trying to turn the things you love doing into a career. That's why we really want to delve into this topic today. Because while it's not an easy thing to do, if we find a way to keep doing the things we love, this can help us with things like confidence, resilience, and maybe even just our general well-being. Craig, Hannah and Emma are your hosts today covering this theme. I'm Craig, my pronouns are he, him, I'm 21 and I'm from Berkshire. Hi, I'm Hannah, my pronouns are she, her, I'm 18 and I'm from Northamptonshire. My name is Emma, I'm she, her and I'm 24 and I'm from Surrey. Okay, answer me this. What do you all love doing and do you find it hard to keep up with your interests in your day-to-day lives? Okay, well, what I love to do, I have two main things that I really love to do. First thing is horse riding. Anything to do with horses, I just absolutely love. When I was younger, I actually wanted to be a horse. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's something that I've just carried on. It's just a passion of mine. And the other thing that I absolutely love is dance. I absolutely love hip hop, street, anything like that. For me, I really love reading books. Any genre, I'll just read it. But the thing is, is that I've just moved to university and I obviously have like a busy schedule. It's kind of like a new step in my life. I have probably not read as much as I would like to read. I've got quite a few books waiting for me. I feel like something that I've loved doing ever since being a young boy is playing football. I don't remember the first time kicking a football. Yeah, I was brought up always a part of life. And so I think that it's been something I've always loved doing, played football and watched football and, and whatnot. As I'm sure you know by now, we've been gathering questions on the theme of how to do what you love from our podcast group, made up of around 30 or so young people from across the UK who are helping to shape this podcast. Questions range from how to cut out the noise and distraction and focus on the stuff we really want to do, to how to manage the guilt you can feel if you haven't carved out time to keep up with your interests. As much as we'd like to include all of the questions, we've come up with three which we think sum up the main things people wanted answers to. So, question number one. How do I manage the expectations of family and friends whilst also following my true passion? And giving advice to this question is none other than radio DJ and TV presenter Melvin Odoom. Now, this is quite an interesting one because when I first started, I remember like my mum found it hard to 
grasp the idea of getting into this industry just because I think for her generation, it was more about going to something more academic like medicine or law. So the idea of me becoming a presenter for my mom was really strange to her. But I think essentially, you kind of have to believe in yourself. That's what I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else other than presenting. And there were a lot of people in the industry that I looked up to, like Trevor Nelson. And when I saw them doing it, then it kind of made me believe that I could do it as well. I think if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else can. Well, firstly, I love that because I love Melvin O'Dean. I thought it was interesting just saying about, oh, how your family want you to go do something academic that's seen as a traditionally stable profession. He knew that he wanted to do something else and that kind of passion and that kind of almost that self-belief as well. And I think what he was saying about self-belief, that is so important because... I can't even tell you the amount of times when my self-belief, I feel like, trips me up a lot. I think a really good point that he made was sort of about role models, you know, where he wasn't really sure on, on the career, but then when he then saw people that he aspired to be like in the industry, you know, obviously he, he didn't get that from his parents, didn't get that from his family. He got it from listening to the radio, I, I, I assume. But role models obviously help and by all means um, you know, increase the likelihood of you then pursuing that because you'll see, right, if that person made it, then so can I. I really liked how he emphasised self-belief and how if you don't believe in yourself, no one else can. Because I feel like a lot of stuff that kind of hinders us is that we kind of doubt ourselves a little bit. Uh, we doubt how far we can actually go. And I think if we kind of release that doubt or, and kind of, up our self-belief in ourselves and like knowing that we can actually do something and achieve it as you mentioned that he was told that he couldn't and he could have just accepted that and said I can't and gone into something more academic wise but the fact that he didn't he kind of said to himself no this is what I really want to do in life this is my passion I'm not gonna let anyone else tell me what I can do because I know I can do it and he's gone and achieved that and I think that's really amazing that he was able to do it and he was able to enjoy what he does and believe in himself so if you believe in yourself before anything, you can go much further in life. And I found that really inspirational. I'm inspired too, Hannah. Self-belief is something that can take some time to build. But by the sounds of it, it's key when pursuing a passion. Our second bit of advice on this question is from Shrey. He's an engineer in the space industry. He's got a great tip about picturing yourself in the future to help you find clarity now. I wanted to give advice in response to this question because... It's something I went through personally. I asked myself in five to 10 years time, if I would be willing to do something that my parents told me to do, or my culture said, you have to do this kind of thing, because that's the only way to make money. That's where you will have to ask yourself, do I really want to do this? Or do I really not? And would I rather quit? And it's better to know that answer earlier than later. So I would say, ask yourself that question now. And that will help you decide, would you rather do something you want to do? Or would you rather go through a path chosen by others? The first thing that I thought is, you know, when he was just mentioning, do you want to choose the path that you're doing? Or do you want to like choose a path that someone else has chosen for you. I don't think it's as simple as that sometimes. I think it's hard to know sometimes what you are or it feels like you're choosing a path, but actually that choice has been influenced by other people or society or 
you know, just generally just external factors, I suppose. And I've like discovered this recently, like taking a step out of your comfort zone, trying something different. Like it does, it does take bravery. 100%. If you don't go into out of, outside of your comfort zone, then you're going to stand still. You're going to be left behind. So big advocate of that where you know, if you don't take that risk, if you, you know, I'd, I'd much rather an oops than a what if. Yeah, you know, I'd much rather give it a go. But um, Hannah, what do you think of Shrey's advice? I'm kind of bouncing on both of you guys' points. I think you definitely have to try first. It's perfectly okay if, you know, you go to one career and you kind of say, oh, this is not for me, because you might pick up some skills from that career that kind of helps you to do what you want to do in the end of it all. Um, I think definitely it's okay to try as many different things as you want to do because you're trying and that's what counts rather than kind of, because it's all good if someone tells you, oh, you should do this career and kind of nudges you towards it. But 10, 20 years, you're all having to live that career or you're having to live through that pathway that someone pushed you towards. And I think you kind of have to take a step back and think, I'm going to listen to people's advice, but it's my life. I'm the one who's going to be living it. I'm the one who's going to be having to do all this work. Is it my passion? No. If not, try something else. Do I enjoy it? Yes. Then carry on. Just kind of follow that pathway through life. I'd rather an oops than a what if. That's going straight into my notebook, Craig. Managing expectations can be a hard one especially when you understandably really care about what your friends and family think about you. It's been so cool to get advice on this question from our special guest Melvin Odoom and an engineer in the space industry too, which I think is such a cool field to be in. Time for question number two. How do I know if something I love doing is a viable career for me? The first voice note on this question comes from another special guest. TV presenter, author, and travel enthusiast, Charlie Borman. Hi, my name is Charlie Borman, and I ride motorcycles around the world for a living. I think that everything in life, you can turn into a career if you really want to, and you really have that drive and passion for it. I think that there's so much on the internet now about what passions you have. So you can find out a lot and see if there is an ability to be able to monetize what, what you want to do. For instance, I ride motorcycles and I make TV shows about traveling around the world with, you might know a guy called Ewan McGregor and we go around together and do that. But when that started off with just being passionate and we were passionate to ride about riding bikes, we'd, every excuse we had, we would ride motorcycles. And eventually one day we thought, wouldn't it be a good idea to do a slightly longer trip and uh, maybe write a book about it? I have to say one of the biggest things when we did the first Long Way Round series was how much work it actually took to get it going. So I think don't be afraid of that and, and don't be afraid to follow your passions. If you are enthusiastic and, and really sell it well, everybody will follow along and get enthused and will want to help. What stood out for me about his advice was that he knew that he liked motorcycles and kind of thought, okay, now let's think about it. Like, how can we make that into a career? But I also liked how he mentioned how you have to put in a lot of work, but it's something that he enjoyed and that's what made the work more worthwhile. The passion came first and then then realised the work that I then had to go in to be able to then follow the passion, which I think is is very helpful because I know a lot of people see those uh, see, see that work as obstacles and basically and then get put off pursuing their dreams because of those obstacles that have then been put in place and they're then not willing to overcome them. Whereas I think if you've got that drive to to go with your passion first, then you really are willing to to jump over different obstacles that might come your way. 
I feel like that takes a lot of guts as well at the same time, like to having to put yourself out there as well. I just feel like that's really brave. I'd love to do something like that. From my perspective, I think Charlie's really showed how following your passions to the point where it can become a career option will take some courage and resilience. And putting yourself out there might help to build the courage and resilience you need. Next up, offering advice in response to question two is Sam. He's a drama school graduate from Manchester. Hi, my name is Sam. I am 24 years old and I am from Manchester. I wanted to give advice in response to this question because I feel like it's something that a lot of young people tend to go through. You know, I feel like we're told at a very young age to hurry up and decide what we want to do without really giving it much thought. Because when you're young, how much do you really know about the real world and what you want to do in it? You know, all all you know is what you've learned from high school or primary school, which is not much in the grand scheme of things. So my advice to this question is, the fact that you love what you're doing would make it viable. You know, the average person spends around 90,000 hours working. So why would you spend all that time on something that you hate? Life is simply far too short to be bored or miserable for such a large portion of the time that you're awake, you're working. You know, you deserve to have a job that fulfills you, that taps into your passions, that brings you joy. I think it's brilliant what you were saying, to be honest. And I think, you know, you have to enjoy what you you do for work. The the weekend shouldn't be an escape from a life you hate, really. You you should wake up every day wanting to go into work and, and looking forward to it. And I know that money is a big factor where people are then put off if, you know, their passion is in a, a low income career. But I think that if you are genuinely passionate about what you go into, you're then more likely to work harder. You're then more likely to be able to earn more as a result of entering a career path that you enjoy. Yeah, I think the 90,000 hours is kind of just playing in my head. That's a lot of hours. And doing something you don't like in all that time, I think it kind of makes you think like, I need to find something that I actually love because that is a lot of time. But I definitely think there are some like barriers, like economic, like financial wise, but I think there are definitely ways that you can kind of find different routes because like, you might not have to take the traditional route into a career that you like if you're unable to, but you can find like a different route to kind of fulfill your dreams. Just look for something to make it work for you because it's what you love doing. Mm. I loved what he was saying. I think it was really like insightful. I think it's hard when maybe if you've tried like, or for me anyway, I've tried lots of different things, but then feeling like, oh, I haven't really found like the one, do you know what I mean? Or where I really feel like, yeah, this is really what I want to do. I think to be honest, even if you're on the journey of finding out what it is that you want to do as a job, I feel like that's the most important thing that as long as you're, you're making steps, you're making, you're making moves in the right direction, like. I feel like that's that's just as important, to be honest. 90,000 hours at work, that's a lot. I think it's safe to say that your job can have a huge impact on your life. So thanks for your advice, Sam. Lucy from our podcast group offers her advice on question two. I wanted to give advice in response to this question because I'm following a career path that so many people have told me isn't a real job and is often a difficult industry to break into. So my advice is that you don't really know until you try. I have always wanted to be a writer and I realised it was achievable when I started earning more money for a single published poem than I did for a nine hour shift. I also knew it was viable when it got me out of bed much faster than any other job I had had before. Let's face it, 
Most jobs are going to require you to get up and out of bed pretty early. So finding something that makes that easier. Find something that you're excited to wake up and do. We're told that there is only one way to success and one way into the job we desire. But it does take trial and error. It takes working hard. It takes putting yourself out there even when you're nervous. As a writer, I've had to accept that rejections are just part of the process, but they mean nothing when compared to the joy of seeing your work in print. There's always going to be a demand for art, for shows, for stories and music. So if you're going into a creative industry, don't be disheartened. If it makes you happy, you'll find a way. Love that. That sounded really good. Craig, what are your thoughts on that? Definitely agree with with a lot of what she's saying. I think that there's loads of different paths you can take. What success is to me may not be to you or or to Hannah or whoever. We've all got different definitions of that word. I don't think that anybody else needs to set that goal for us. We are the dictators of of what we think success is for ourselves. And if that's married with kids, if it's earning a certain amount per year, whatever it might be, different people, different goals. What about you, Hannah? I think one piece of advice I'm going to take from that is kind of, it takes trial and error and it takes working hard to find something you're excited to do. Find something that you want to wake up every single morning and like kind of just with a smile on your face and kind of this is what I want to do in life. It kind of, it is a nerve wracking thing. It takes a lot of courage to kind of put yourself out there. It takes a lot of bravery. But knowing that it does pay off in the end kind of makes it feel a bit better. And if it makes you happy, obviously you're going to find a way. It'll work out in the end. Yeah, I feel like she's brave to have, it sounds like she's brave to have put herself, especially into an, like, an artistic industry where you have to, like, you have to put yourself into your work. So it almost feels like you have to be a bit more vulnerable in what you're doing. Yeah, I really respect her for that. And the fact that she's actually, she's got there and she's making money, that's like great. And I think, yeah, hats off to her, to be honest. Two questions in, and my notebook is jam-packed with thoughts. We've been talking a lot about trying to work out the things we love doing and whether we might want to find a way to make it into a career. So let's ground ourselves a bit in this final section by thinking about the reality of what it means to follow your passion. Question three, how do we come to terms with the reality of work considering there will almost always be aspects of a job that we don't enjoy? Sharing advice on this question is Charlie Borman. I can only say that from the experience that I've had about following my passions and, and, and work is, is that it always takes a little bit longer than you think to get these things done. And so if you think I'm going to start this job, that by this time next year, I'm going to sell the business for a million pounds. Well, you might well be able to sell it for a million pounds, but it'll probably take five years instead of one. And it just takes, just takes a lot of time. And, and I think one of the biggest things that you can do is try and find people to help you. You know, I'm very heavily dyslexic and I can't read and write very well. So, so whenever I do a project or work, I, I always need to find somebody to help me to be able to do what I want to do. So if, if I can do it, a completely dyslexic person who can barely read and write and have managed to publish six books and a whole bunch of TV shows, anybody can do it. So you can do it. The more effort you put into work, the more you get out of it. And if you're doing something that you really like, then that's just a bonus, you know, to spend the rest of your life like I am riding motorcycles around the world, you know, it's all right. Well, it's clear about the amount of obstacles that were in in his life and they didn't come in his way. 
you know, dyslexia then didn't stop him from being able to write books, which is fantastic and, and great role model for other people with dyslexia to see him and then be inspired to be able to go on similar career paths. Yeah, I think it's fantastic from what he was saying that, yeah, like he could have just thought, oh no, you know, I can't write a book, I can't like write a TV show because of like my dyslexia or that. But actually he thought, no, it's just another hurdle that I need to overcome, but there are ways around it and that he didn't let that stop him either. I like how you really emphasised the fact that he believed in himself and he knew he could achieve it. And um, obviously you mentioned he had some help and I feel like he knew what he had to do and how to overcome it. And I kind of like was really like inspired by that and how in the end he managed to write six books and a TV show and to prove that, you know, anyone could do anything. You just have to find the right facilities. You just have to find the right people to go to because sometimes you can't do stuff by yourself. Sharing our last piece of advice for today is film director Millie. Hi, my name is Millie. I'm 28 and I'm from London. So my advice to this question is that there's no hiding the fact that it's really hard. But if you can go into everything with your eyes open and the understanding that things might not always fall into place immediately, it can be really helpful. It's worth noting that I learned this the hard way. One of the first things I'd have a think about are your priorities and working out what's important to you. Are you looking for financial reward or great job satisfaction or working with nice people? I think once you're in a workplace, it's then important to understand your limits and boundaries. So finding a balance is really important as well. I'm a creative, I make films, and so for me it's finding the balance between the practical things like earning enough money to pay my rent and pay for my living expenses, but also having enough time to think creatively and make films. Often these things don't necessarily come hand in hand. I've had office jobs alongside creative jobs. But I think the other thing to not forget is that you also need to have a bit of sun because the last thing you want to do is to burn out. Working out a ratio or your own ratio of what you feel is good and what you feel is bad in relation to your working day and what proportion they take up, I think can be really helpful as well. So Emma, what do you think about this piece of advice? I really liked it. I feel like another person from the creative industries, which is nice, I thought what she was saying about just having that balance between making sure that you're not getting burnt out as well is really important. Yeah, and just having that space to make sure that you know where you're going and that you're happy with what you're doing and you're making it you're making it work for you. And I think that's I think that's really important. I think one of the key words there is is fun. You know, it is tough to, to find that balance, as you say, especially as a creative where then especially at the start is probably not going to pay as well. Um, however, I think then really being able to to follow that passion and make it worthwhile, make it as a living is fantastic and, and great again role model for other people to be able to to follow that even if they don't think it's gonna pay particularly well yeah i really um liked how she highlighted the fact that you need to find a balance you need to find out if a workplace is for you if you know you work from home i feel like it's important to understand your limits and your boundaries especially coming into a career because you might love that career but the situation might not be the right place for you also how she highlighted that you know it's easy to get burnt out so you need to understand your own personal limits and and kind of just also consider them as well as considering if you actually like the career or not and we're kind of having that all like written out like kind of like a written or like a mental mind map of all this kind of stuff because I think all of them have a play into kind of if this is a happy career if this is a viable career for you do you enjoy it 
So I think that also comes into play to like, do you love it? There are so many thoughts and feelings to absorb in such a short space of time. So for now, out of everything we've spoken about today, what advice stuck out to Craig, Hannah and Emma the most? Let's hear from Emma first. Oh, so many things. So many things that we've discussed. Oh my gosh. I think the one small piece of advice, the little nugget I'll take away, I think, is I think believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself that you can you can do it and you can do whatever it is that you're thinking, oh, you'd like to try that out or whether, yeah, in a job sense or you'd like to try a new job or try this, try that. It might not even be perfect like the first time round and as as with anything like new things, like you're not going to be perfect at them anyway, but just having that willingness to try and like own that step in your journey, I think that's what resonates with me the most today. Craig, what about you? I think Charlie's bit in terms of being able to monetize his hobby, I think that's powerful in that sense where he was then able to chase his career and then find a way to be able to make money from it where he had his passion uh, he clearly enjoyed riding motorcycles and then has been able to, to write books and tv shows etc about it so that that really is a great piece of advice and, and role model really for myself to be able to you know go away in my extracurricular activities and whatnot be able to then take that and do what i love hannah what about yourself i found what kind of stuck with me the most was I think the last bit of advice, trying to find balance in your life, trying to find balance with your outside life, but also your inner kind of thing, like whether it's like your hobbies or like your career, it's just important to kind of figure, not figure it all out, but just kind of find balance within yourself. Thank you, Craig, Hannah and Emma for helping us navigate how to do what you love. You have opened up ways to think about how we can build self-belief, find ways to turn our passions into a career and work with a team that brings out the best in you. This has been such a useful conversation for me. I'm super excited to hear your experiences with your chosen bits of advice. So, some time has passed since this roundtable discussion. And as you'll remember from the first few episodes of the series, each host is keeping audio diaries to track their progress as they try out their chosen bits of advice. Let's check in now with Emma and hear how she's getting on. I think the main thing that I would take away is having a bit more self-belief in yourself. So I've had a bit of time off work from my new job. I was on holiday. And I think now that I've had that discussion, I think to just keep it in my mind that I can have a bit of self-belief and I can, like, I am enjoying the job, but I think it is my self-belief that's holding me back a little bit. So I think... Just keeping that in my mind and reminding myself that it is okay to feel how I'm feeling, but that doesn't have to stop me enjoying the job that I want to enjoy. Tune in next week when we'll listen to her final audio diary. Coming up next week, we're talking all about the environment. With the climate emergency looming, how do we connect with nature more and manage eco-anxiety? And what happens to our planet if we do nothing? We're tackling three more big questions on this hugely important topic. And I'm hoping that the advice shared can help all of us make a positive impact. Until then, Craig, Hannah and Emma, why don't you sign us off? 
See you again next episode. Bye, Bye for, for now. now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> Navigating Now is a Max Creative production brought to you by the Duke of Edinburgh's Award with generous support from the Gosling Foundation and RSM. The original theme music is by Capt, a young person from our podcast group. And a huge thank you goes out to our podcast group, made up of 31 recent and current Duke of Edinburgh's Award participants. I've been your host, Elsie, and we've been Navigating Now. We are all unique, and the issues discussed may impact and affect everyone in different ways. The thoughts and guidance shared and discussed are suggestions and possible approaches, and you should always do what feels safe and right for you. If you've been affected by the issues in this episode, or want to find out more, please see the Duke of Edinburgh's Award website, dov.org, for some contacts and resources you may find useful. You can find the link to this in the show notes.